Man, if you have your Bibles uh, for a few minutes this morning, Matthew uh, chapter 15. Anybody as tired as I am this morning? Let's hope you don't fall asleep before I do. Amen. <laughs> if I fall asleep, you're in trouble. Praise God. But it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good service. Matthew chapter 15. And if I, I like to title my sermons. And uh, if I could put a title, I, you know, I had several titles that I was bouncing back and forth. And so I came up really with the title, Dirty Jobs. Or another good subtitle would be, Let's Get Our Hands Dirty. And I kind of like that one. Let's get our hands dirty. Like Pastor Blake said last night, some people don't like that four-letter word. They just don't like it's It's a curse word in their vocabulary, W-O-R-K, work. Amen. But sometimes work can be dirty, and we do have a dirty job ahead of us. Uh, and that's what I want to minister on. So as you're turning to Matthew chapter 15, I want to share with you about uh, two guys that were actually uh, in the middle of a hot Texas summer. They were working in a ditch, and uh, they were breaking their back. They had their shovels out. They were digging that ditch. They were throwing dirt up out of the ditch. The dirt was coming back down on them. They were frustrated. They were perspiring. And the whole time they look up and they see the foreman, and he's got a, a ice-cold lemonade in his hands as he's watching these workers. And they're upset by that. And so one says to the other, he says, why are we down here breaking our backs and we're in this filthy hole and we're working hard? And he's up there having an ice-cold lemonade. He said, I don't know. Why don't you go up there and ask him? He said, you know what? I'm going to go up there and I'm going to ask him. So he climbs up out of that hole and he asks that for me. He says, I want to know something. How come we're down there doing the dirty work and you're up here drinking an ice cold lemonade? He says, well, it's because you guys lack wisdom. He said, well, what do you, what's, what's wisdom? He said, here, let me show you. So he took him over to a tree and he held his hand up next to that tree. And he said, hit my hand as hard as you can. So the guy said, all right, pulled back, swung as hard as he could, and the foreman moved his hand at the last minute and hit that tree, man, it was hurting. He says, see, you lack wisdom. Now get back in that hole and get back to work. So he gets back down in the hole, and the other guy says, what did he say? And he says, well, he said, we lack wisdom. And the other guy said, well, what is wisdom? And he said, here, let me show you. Hit my hand as hard as you can. <laughs> Lack wisdom, amen. Sometimes I, I look at Jesus and the disciples and I kind of feel like Jesus is the foreman and the disciples were those that were in the hole, amen. But I want you to know in this case, doing the dirty job is actually something that's very fulfilling and actually something that is given by example by Jesus Christ himself. And I want to look at that, Matthew chapter 15 and verse one, it says, then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what, would, what you would have gained from me is given to God he need not honor his father so for the sake of your tradition you have made void the word of God you hypocrites well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me in vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men verse 10 and he called the people to him and said to them hear and understand it is not what goes into the mouth that def that defiles a person but what comes out of the mouth 
This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended? When they heard this saying, he answered and said, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you lack wisdom? Peter, get back down in the hole. <laughs> Amen. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person for out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false witness slander these are what defile a person but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone there's a show many of you have probably uh, seen it or heard about it but uh, a show called dirty jobs anybody seen this show dirty jobs and uh, I watched a TED Talks, and there's these different TED Talks where they get up and give these speech. And the actually the host of the show, his name is Mike Rowe, and Mike Rowe gets up and he begins to explain all the different jobs that he's been on. They've done like 300 episodes, and and basically the idea of the story is Mike Rowe is an apprentice, and he goes along and he works alongside uh, all these different uh, jobs and these different workers. Some of these jobs are just dangerous some of them are extremely difficult and some are just downright dirty and so some of the uh, shows some of the work that he does is he works with the worm dung farmer did you even know there was such a thing that existed raising up worms to collect their dung their poop yeah yeah that's a I don't know if I'd be telling people my title of my occupation amen I'm a farmer Roadkill cleaner, coal miner, we know that's a rough job, oyster shucker, sewer inspector, pig farmer, and actually I saw this one on the pig farmers, this guy down in Las Vegas, and he works out this deal with all the casinos, and there's so many different casinos that have buffets, and there's so much food that actually goes into waste, and he works out this deal where he gets the food, and then reprocesses it, but by the time he, re he has this funky system set up, he designed it himself, and I'm talking, it is a, a mess. I mean, and there's Mike Rowe, he's with this pig farmer, and this pig farmer, I mean, he's got some teeth missing. I mean, and you know, he's, but I'm telling you what, he's one of the happiest guys in Las Vegas, amen. Ain't won a blackjack table and who knows how, but he's one of the happiest workers, and he's got slops sloshing out of these trucks and he's feeding these pigs and they found out that actually his pigs grow at a rate that's twice as fast as any other pig farmer and the guy looks like he's from the uh backwoods of some of tennessee but he's a multi-millionaire amen and so we have the pig farmer we have the hot tar roofer the high-rise window cleaner believe it or not that's one of the dirtiest jobs and, and we got a window cleaner here today amen I don't envy that job going up and being that high when the wind is blowing. Porta potty and septic cleaner, onion processor, paint recycler, mule logger, and maggot farmer. All the, I mean, and there's 300 of these jobs. But here's what's interesting is he said that when he began to do these jobs, he discovered that he went in with a lot of assumptions. And one of those assumptions was that uh, it's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it 
So he figured they were only doing it because that was the only option left for them and they were doing it because they have to do it but he assumed wrong. He realized his assumptions were wrong because as he began to work with these people and get to know these people, it wasn't really because they had to do it but many times they chose to do it and they were willing to do it and they wanted to do it. And he said these people, some of these people were the happiest workers that he's ever been around, working with the roadkill cleaners. They're out there, and they're scraping up skunks. I mean, we saw so much roadkill coming from Colorado. We saw armadillos. We saw skunks. We saw, um, my uh, daughter said she saw a dead horse. I mean, I mean, so many, I don't know. And these guys go out there, and they got to clean up, and that stuff is foul. It's, I mean, it stinks, and, and they're whistling while they work. And he found out that some of these people, that it's really not, I do this because I have to, but I do this because I'm willing to do it. And a matter of fact, many of them love it. One guy said, poured a potty cleaner, he said, it smells like poo to you, but it smells like money to me. That was my grandfather. <laughs> That's been passed, he might have said it in some more colorful words, but you know, here's the, here's the crazy thing is my grandfather, uh, you know, I hear a lot of stories. I, I got a great barber. That's my dad. My barber, my pastor is going to be preaching tonight. And he cuts, he cuts all our kids' hairs when he, when he can. And, and uh, every time I sit down, I don't just get a free haircut. Oh, I like free haircuts. <laughs> you don't know how many hundreds of dollars I've saved over the years, but... I get to spend time with Pastor Jones. Some days while he's cutting my hair, he's revelating. I don't talk. I listen. I don't move my head left or right. I just let him revelate. And then some days he begins to reflect on his dad and tell stories. He was telling me the other day when they uh, went into Arizona, they couldn't get a license for a year. And my grandpa, he's got an eighth grade education. You got to realize he, he, he is, I think, the 11th child or 12th child uh, the youngest of 11 kids and he was spoiled rotten got away with anything how many know the first kid gets all the discipline gets all the spankings I mean I, you know what if you got four or five kids or you're the oldest of four you know how that but by the time the, the third or fourth one they get away with murder and he got away with murder and grew up he, he was a heathen and uh, anyways back to my story they got to Arizona they couldn't get a license. He couldn't get a barber license. And so uh, they had to wait a year, red tape and rules and all this. My dad, who was actually had his license there in Tennessee, he couldn't cut hair either. So he had to wait. So he went to work on a ranch bucking hay. And that was when he was in high school. He said that's actually what saved him because uh, he comes into this new school. And you know how that is. But he was starting to bulk up from all that hay. And my grandfather had to take a job at a gas station. And they... He, he's just a little guy. He's not big like me. He's a little guy. And they, my dad said that they would constantly abuse him and call him names and, and, and just take advantage of him. That back in the day, they would pump gas uh, for you. They'd come out, check your oil, and do all those things. They made him do all the grunt work and all the dirty jobs. And so in 1972, amen, they're going to Bend, Oregon. And he gets this idea, I think I'm going to try my hand at the septic cleaning business. I don't know how he got there, how he arrived at that idea, but I believe it was God. And he got him a septic truck. And he started 
getting jobs. He named it Abe's Septic Service. As a matter of fact, I just went over to visit him not too long, long ago and went into his office and I found his business cards, Abe's Septic Service. Sure enough, I heard that story all these years. He put Abe's Septic Service because he wanted to be first in the phone book. <laughs> That's pretty smart. His name is Joe Jones. <laughs> you can call me Abe, Abe Septic Service. And he started that business, and it was a nasty, you know, you know what septic is. It's a, it's a dirty job. And that's where he got that say. It smells like that to you, but it smells like money to me. And my dad tells the story how they would go with him, in, jump up in the cab, and they'd go out and work with him all day, and, but they wouldn't pack a lunch, and there would be my grandpa in the car. I mean, they've been touching things. I mean, the smell is horrendous, and they jump back up in the cab. And uh, my dad and my uncle, they don't have no food. But my grandpa has a bag of the orange slices. You know those old, you can get them at Cracker Barrel, orange slice candies, you know? They're kind of mushy. And he, would, he, no, he wouldn't clean his hands or anything like that. He might wipe them off on his overalls. But he would reach over and grab those orange slices and pop them in his mouth. And he'd ask my, my dad and say, do you guys want some? And they're looking at him as he's got them stinky, dirty hands, putting, taking them orange slices and eating. No, I think we're okay. You, we'll be all right. But come 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon and they still got 2 or 3 more jobs to go to, them orange slices were looking pretty good. And my dad said, oh, heck with it. And he would start eating them orange slices. Amen. Dirty jobs. But you know what? Here's what's funny. Is I showed Pastor Paul that, that little business card. I said, check it out. It was true. Amen. And he went online and he, he came up to me. He said, you got you to gotta see this. I went online and I found an article I typed in Abe's Septic Service, and I found an article from Bend, Oregon, of Abe's Septic Service. They did a full-page thing on it, and it starts off by saying Abe's Septic Service, and it was started by a man named Sherman Jones. That's my grandfather's real name, Sherman Jones, back in 1972, and he named it Abe's Septic Service because he wanted to be first in the phone book. Now, they employ seven workers. They're doing more business than they've ever done and I'm telling you what the blessing is upon that because all 43 44 years ago here was a man that heard from God took a dirty job that nobody else wanted built it into a nice business and really it became a legacy to his name today amen that's okay if it's septic it's a legacy and God took him on to greater and better things amen but here's the thing you may think that people do something because or, or, or they do it and they hate it, but many times they do it and they love it. Now I want you to see something here this morning. You know, if anybody has a dirty job, God has a dirty job. Why don't you look at your neighbor this morning and say, you know what, you're nothing but dirt. <laughs> don't say it and like it that you get to say it, Amen. But the fact of the matter is, when we were created in the beginning, how many know God took the dust of the earth and he breathed life into it? And really, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, we're nothing but dirt. So if anybody's going to get their hands dirty and, and have a dirty job, it's going to be God. The Bible says that God is the potter. And we are the clay. And he takes that clay and he begins to, to spin that wheel and he throws some water on that dirt and he begins to shape and he begins to form that beautiful vessel. And sometimes that vessel becomes marred in his hands. What's that say? It says that God is a merciful God. And even when we mess up, 
even we do something dirty in our lives, even we have something that gives us a setback, God is still willing to get his hands dirty until we're formed and shaped into something beautiful. He does not give up on you. Amen. And that's the picture we have of a loving God. He's working with people. And he's a God that loves us so much that he'll continually get his hands dirty, amen, to see something beautiful made. Now, I want you to see something here in this text. There's a contrast that we see right away between the religiously clean and the dirty disciples. This is very evident. Here are the Pharisees. They come up on this scene. We know from studying the Bibles that the Pharisees were very self-righteous, very uh, uh, holy in their own eyes. They were very legalistic. They followed the law. Matter of fact, they didn't just follow the law. They created new laws, and they had 644 different laws that they had put on top of the laws that Moses gave. And there were laws for everything. And so they're nitpicking every person. I mean, they drop a wrapper on the ground. I mean, they're all over them. They don't show up for uh, prayer, amen. They're all, maybe they don't even know that, you know what, they had a hard time getting there. They ran out of gas. They got a flat tire on the way, but they jumped down their throat, amen, because the religiously clean are just that, they're religious. And I want to see this, I want to look at this contrast because here's the disciples on the other hand. The disciples are uncouth. They're very unrefined. They're uh they're not working within the four walls of a synagogue. They're out on the streets. They're traveling here and there. They don't got them nice clean robes like the Pharisees do. Their hands are dirty. Their fingernails are dirty. They're, you know, they walk in sandals. Their feet are dirty. And so here we have this picture of the disciples. And in this text, uh, the Pharisees come up on them and they see these disciples here and really they begin to attack the disciples but you got to understand that it wasn't directed towards the disciples it was actually directed towards Jesus amen basically they're pointing out to him you know what first of all they know Jesus is just as dirty as the disciples oh but they're they're cowards they're cowards they're they're not they're not going to get up in Jesus face no 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 he's going to put a big question mark on Jesus by saying you know what these are your men Where's your leadership skills? But he directs it towards the disciples because they're constantly trying to entrap him and, and get him for blasphemy. But Jesus is too smart. He turns it on him and he says, what goes into a man that, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of his heart. See, with this contrast of what religion is supposedly supposed to be and what Christianity is really about, we get a picture of what's taking place here because religion is supposed to be clean right all right i mean you look at the mormons man i'm telling you what that, you can't even you can't even call that christianity that's religion you look at the jehovah's witness everything's got to be perfect and so religion expects everything to be in order keep the rules rituals are supposed to be kept Hands are supposed to be clean, and that's what they're getting at. That you can come to church as long as you don't smell like cigarettes. Amen. You can be a member of this church as long as you pay a membership fee. Amen. You can be one of us as long as you look like one of us, talk like one of us, be like one of us. How many know that we're real Christians in this place? And so what he's saying here is, you know what? Christianity isn't this perfect 
uh, 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 set of rules and you follow this. He's saying, you know what? Many times Christianity can be very, very dirty. Very, very dirty. Hallelujah. I like what Jesus did. Jesus got his hands dirty and went on the scenes. Amen. When Jesus stepped on the scenes, he turned religion upside down. I preached a message sometimes back. Jesus rocked the religious boat. Amen. I like that. This church right here is rocking the religious boat. We are not a TBN church, folks. Amen. We are a very unique church, and I thank God for that. Jesus rocked the religious boat. His pulpit wasn't in the synagogue. It was in the streets. Amen. His method wasn't to get up and read a list of rules. He extended love and mercy to everybody that was out there. Amen. Religion doesn't want to get its hands dirty. You know, it's amazing to me how some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You ever get people like that in your church? I'm telling you what, they can quote scriptures, they can walk around and act like they're so, so super spiritual, but they won't pick up a, a piece of paper off the ground. You won't see them on outreach, amen, but they, oh, they know the Bible, they know scripture. So heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Jesus went to work. Jesus went to work. He got his hands dirty. He goes and he gets 12 men that no university would ever give a chance to. Amen. You would never see these men in a Bible college. First of all, Bible college would have destroyed them. By the time they graduated from Bible college, you realize what they could have done? Bible college, well, I'm not even going to go down that, that path right now, but their Bible college was working with Jesus in the streets, and Jesus loved them like brothers. He discipled them. They became great pastors, great missionaries, all over the world, they turn the world upside down. We see this pattern in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, and God takes these men, these, these, these nobodies, and he uses them. But God takes the dirty job of going out and preaching to the rejected and the dejected and the problematic and the outcasts of society. The Bible says that he reached the poor and the poor heard him gladly. They got their hands dirty. Can I tell you something? We are that church. Amen. When they send people to you because they can't, they don't know what to do with them, you're in a good place. You're in that church. Hallelujah. We put on, I love, I love what Pastor Marshall does every year with the Thanksgiving dinners that we have. There's a whole lot of work that goes into it. And, if, and the service that we have that's put on where we reach, uh, we send out, I don't know how many, 15 vans, 16, how many vans was it? 16 vans to pick up people from the homeless shelters, from the halfway houses, anywhere. We went out and picked people up. And I'm telling you what, these people are coming in. And, and I, mean, they, I mean, they smell like alcohol. We're putting on a free giveaway, giving away uh, clothes, giving away jackets. It's the most exciting thing. I wish every service was like that. When I'm in there, I mean, people are acting up. I mean, it's a wild scene. People are walking back and forth. Men are hanging on women. I mean, it's not your typical church service. I mean, you can, you, there's that aroma of cigarettes. I mean, I mean, people are being loud. I mean, it's crazy. It's chaotic. And I think, my God, that's exactly what we are about. Now, I want you to see something. I want you to see something. Because here's the question that's asked of every disciple. Like I said on Wednesday night, some, many of you weren't here, but I said every 
disciple is a Christian. But not every Christian is a disciple. Because a disciple has to sacrifice. A disciple has to surrender his will. A disciple has to submit himself under the tutorship of another person. And in our day and age, amen, as I mentioned, of selfies, oh, man, you know, I didn't like that look, this look, that look, that angle. Amen. Now they got selfie sticks. You can do it from the back side, upside. In this selfie generation where we're, full, so, we're so full of self and it's hard to take correction from somebody else, I'm telling you, it, a lot has changed in the last 10 years. And it's hard for somebody to surrender their will to another man's will. But really, it's God's will. We know that. But listen to this. If you want to be a disciple, this is what's extremely important to catch this in this rally. Jesus didn't do what he had to do because he had to do it. He didn't do it because he had to do it. It was a dirty job. Somebody has to do it. So I guess I'll just send my son down there and save all of humanity. No, no, no. He did it because he loved you, and he did it because he was willing to. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 8. Verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, the leper came to him and knelt and said, Lord, if you will, I think it says in the King James, if you're willing, I'm not sure. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Here Jesus is confronted with a man that has leprosy. We all know what leprosy is. Leprosy today isn't like leprosy was back then. It was a really a death sentence, but it was a slow death. And that, that condition actually started from the outside in, I believe it was. It worked its way to the bones and to the limbs. It started on the skin. The skin would begin to change colors, worked its way to the bones, to the limbs, fingers, and toes began to fall off. Bones became twisted and deformed. Many times, ears and noses would fall off. You know, I was, uh, Sunday, a guy comes up to me and he says, look, could, could you sit down with my granddaughter? Her and her husband uh, are going through a really hard time. I talked her into coming to church this morning. And I said, yeah, absolutely, we'll take time. And so after the service, I sat down with him. He was in a wheelchair. And I said, hey, what, what happened to your uh, foot? His foot was all wrapped and bandaged. He said, they cut my toe off last Wednesday. I got, I'm a diabetic. I said, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Then he lifted up his other pant leg, and he had a prosthetic all the way up to the knee. He said, they cut my toe off so I wouldn't have to get one of these on this leg. And that's exactly how leprosy was. And so not only did it take its toll on the body, but it was very contagious, and a leper would have to yell out, unclean. If any began, anybody began to approach him, unclean. And actually, they would have colonies where they separated them, and they would live in their own colonies. That way they would protect anybody else from being uh, contaminated with this disease. But Jesus, here he is. He goes into this place. 
it's a dirty job. He's going to get his hands dirty and he walks up to this leper and we see this story begin to unfold. Nobody else wants anything to do with these lepers. Definitely the religious of that day. You did not see Pharisees walking through leper colonies. You did not see the religious and those that were supposedly holy with the outward appearance of being holy, but really they weren't going into these places. They didn't want nothing to do with the prostitutes and the gangbangers and these dirty, filthy people. But Jesus, here he is. He has this confrontation and the man says to him, listen, if you're willing, because nobody else up to this point has been willing to get as far as you have. If you're willing, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And I love how Jesus responds. He says, I am willing. Can I tell you something? You have the antidote this morning. You have the prescription. You have the answer. You have the blood-washed gospel. If God can do it for you, he can do it for somebody else. We look at all the impossible situations and the people that we encounter and those possibly that we work with or we go to school and we look at them and we say, you know what, there's no way. I don't know what to say. This person's so far gone. They're so foul. Uh, uh, they're, my God, they must have two or three demons at least. And we look at that and we say, there's no... Why even bother? But I'm here to tell you something. There's a lot of lepers out there that are just looking for one person. One person that I actually get close enough and care about them and show compassion to them. And they may not be saying it verbally, but they're saying, if you're willing, if you're willing, you can make me clean. That's the cry of the sinner. That's the cry of the drug addict. That's the cry of those with the broken marriage. If you're willing, you can make me clean. That's the cry of the sexually violated, the sexually confused. Amen. That's just a nice way of putting it. They, listen, there's, a, there's a, a battle of, of torment that goes on in the mind of homosexuals. And they may put on a front and say, you know, we're, we're proud of, but I'm, honestly, when they put their head down on that pillow at night, they're tormented. And they're looking for somebody, amen, that's willing. Oh, but the rest of the church world today has already labeled them and holds them at arm's length and, and comes to a, pre, uh, a conclusion or a pre-conclusion and this idea that, you know what, they're an abomination. But thank God for a church that says, you know what, those are people too. That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's son. And I'm willing to go out and extend the gospel to them. We have people in our church that are a product because somebody went down to a gay pride parade. It's not a place for kids. And they went down there and they stood there and they took their tracks and they began to witness and many homosexuals became violent and uh, began to hurl an, a verbal assault against them, but they stood their ground. And I'm gonna tell you something, because they did and they went out that day, we have people in our church today that I'm telling you, God took them like, just like the potter and the clay and began to shape them and mold them. Now they're a beautiful vessel. They're in their right mind and they're preaching the gospel. They're preaching the gospel. The question is, are you willing to get your hands dirty? Are you willing to get your hands dirty? I was talking to Rod last night, Pastor Santa Stevens, and he has the guy that he works for if I'm not mistaken, there's somebody that sends, he's about to hire new people, so he sends them over to work with Rod because Rod knows how to judge character. They, they don't know that they have this arrangement, but he sends people over, and Pastor Santa Stevens was telling me that if they're smokers, 
<laughs> they're not good workers because they're always wanting to take breaks and smoke. Amen. If they're, what was the other one? If they're, if they're living together and they're shacking up and, well, they're not going to be very faithful. And he said the, the best ones were those that were actually the older workers because they were mature. There was a certain maturity about them. They had that work ethic in them. And those were the ones that were able to move on and say, hey, this guy's good for you. He'll be here a year from now. Well, that's what we need. Are you willing to work? No, no, no. I didn't ask. I didn't ask if you were willing to come to church on Sunday morning. I'm, I'm asking, are you willing to work? It's like these people, we'll work for food. No, you, you ain't going to, don't lie to us. We know you're lying through your two teeth. You ain't got, got that sign up. I'm, I'm so ugly. I came to, you know, they get so many different signs, right? And how many times has somebody said, hey, I got a job today. Hop in the car. No, 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 no. All I need is $10 to get some. No, 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 no. We don't need Christians like that. Amen. We'll work for food. Will you really work? We need Christians that are willing to get their hands dirty. Amen. That have a certain maturity about them that say, you know what? I'm, I'm far beyond the toddler stage. I'm ready for God. I'm ready to step into my destiny. And let's get our hands dirty. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Nobody wants to touch them. They stay away from the leper colonies. You know, there's a lot of churches today that don't even evangelize. They don't evangelize. They're waiting for somebody to come through those doors right there. And that's fantastic. People will do. They see our sign, and thank God, they see many have come in and gotten saved, and their testimonies, I saw that sign on Academy. But it doesn't always work like that. There's people that are not going to darken the doors of a church. Evangelism, the reason they don't do it is because evangelism's hard. It's hard. Now, I don't want to scare you away from evangelism, but I'm going to tell you some of the stories that I have are a little bit extreme. But we have uh, one gal, Andrea, she's here this morning. She had a testimony just not too long ago. She goes out there, go into this uh, down on B Street, kind of a seedy neighborhood, and they go down there, they're knocking on doors, they're inviting people out they're witnessing they prayed with several people and they're going to get back in their car and they get in their car and this i don't know if it was somebody that you had witnessed to previously but this maniac this demon possessed man out of nowhere comes up pulls a gun out they're sitting in their car and getting ready to leave and all of a sudden this guy's coming and he's actually running towards them and he's pulling the trigger but the gun is the gun is jamming and he's got the gun down and he's trying to clear the clear the jam and he's and, and they're frantic, and they, they get out of there. I mean, it scared them. How many still want to go on outreach this, this, <laughs> this weekend? <laughs> you never know what's going to happen on an outreach. It's exciting, folks. Outreach is exciting. I don't, if you don't go and you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't know if I know what to say. and You know what? Just hand them a track. But you never know what's on the other side of those doors. It's like, it's like a game show. Do I go on door number one, door number two, or door number three? Which one has the raving maniac behind it? <laughs> I mean, we, we've gone on door-to-door -door evangelism, and we've run into the, cra I mean, we've gone into right in the middle of people fighting, husbands and wives, couples. I mean, they're in the middle of a fight, and somehow you got stuck in the middle. Nobody wants to be in the middle of a, a fight, marriage fight. Can you say amen? Like, dear God, how did I get in the middle of this? I've opened, I've had doors open to us where 
I'm, I'm talking people, they got lines of coke. These guys are tattered up, and, you're, and here you are, I mean, trying to act like you're not scared. Can I tell you about Jesus? But I'm going to tell you something. Churches will not do it because it's a dirty job. Nobody wants to get their hands dirty. Even in our churches many times, they won't get their hands dirty. I'll tell you a quick story. This is one of my favorite stories of when we were down in Los Cuadros. And uh, Pastor Jones was down there. He was going to be preaching for us. And, and so we had our outreach on Saturday. I think it was probably 10 o'clock, 10, 11 o'clock. And, and we're out there. We come in. We, we gather everybody. We pray. We say the area that we're going to be going to. We're gathering up our material. And so we begin to walk out of the house or out of the church. And uh, right next to the church there in Los Cuadros is a street that's notorious. It's called the Street of Knives. And it's notorious for the drugs, the violence, and this is the God's honest truth, police don't even walk down that street. When they do and they have to go down that street, they bring in a bus with like 30 or 40 different cops. Pastor Blake knows I'm telling the truth. It has a reputation. And they even told me when we first got down there, here we are, me and my family, our little baby, we're gringos, we're, we, you know, we're still trying to adjust to this. And matter of fact, people are, would always ask us, what in the world are you doing in Los Cuadros? That's the truth. Pastor Ben, when he was down there learning uh, Spanish, he, would, he lived in a different area. He'd have to grab a taxi. So he'd grab a taxi, and they'd say, where are you going? And he'd say, Los Cuadros. And they said, no, 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 get somebody else. And he'd have to go through two or three taxis before he got somebody. That's how, that's how bad it was. And they'd say, Pastor, don't go down the street of nice. Whatever you do, don't go down that street. And so I avoided it. Amen. I, I'm not going to put my hand in front of my face. I mean, that's wisdom. I got, some, I got a little bit of wisdom. And so here we are with my dad that day, Pastor Jones. And Pastor Jones takes a left and starts walking down that street. I said, hey, no, no, dad, dad. They, they told me don't, don't go down that street. Why? Well, it's, it's, uh, they call it El Matadero. It's the butcher street. They have different names. It's, it's don't. They said, and when I'm looking down there, and people are just hanging around. Amen. They're, they got runners that will run out to the street with the drugs and run back. And so he says, oh, come on. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Dad, here we go. <laughs> Pastor Jones, that long stride, starts walking down the street. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm scared to death. I look around to see if the congregation's following. Ain't nobody with us. And we're walking down that street. People are looking at us. And, and sure enough, there's one guy, and he, he has his shirt unbuttoned all the way down. And he wears his chest as a badge. I mean, there's, there's scars all the way up and down. He, he got sliced up. He got in a fight and got sliced up something. But he wears it as a badge. And you can see those scars. It's like, just like zigzags all the way down his chest. Long hair. I mean, scary looking. And my dad says, translate for me. Starts walking towards him. And as he walks towards him, they start gathering around us. And I'm like, I'm praying, praying in tongues. <laughs> he thought it was Spanish, but it was tongues. <laughs> no, don't translate yet. <laughs> no, I'm speaking in tongues. Dad. And so we get over there, and he walks up to the guy, and he puts his finger on his chest. And he says, tell him. He's a good man. So I said, he's a good man. I told him in Spanish. Eres un buen hombre. And so he began to witness to this guy, and he was like, 
I'm not lying. This guy's eyes were tearing up. And he said, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah. And so we prayed right there. When we were done praying and we turned around, those men parted like the Red Sea. Because we found out later he's one of the most feared men in all of Los Cuadros. He's murdered people. I mean, he's, I mean, he controls that very street, the street of knives. And did you know we were never assaulted once the four years that we were there? Never assaulted. And I think it's due to the fact that he said, he said, don't touch the gringos. And he would come by the church and say, hey, how's your dad? How's your tad, dad doing? It's a dirty job, folks. It's a dirty job, but it pays off. Amen. Matthew, I'll finish with this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. If there's no compassion... Pastor Ben Musa preached a revival for us just recently. There has to be compassion for the people. If there's no compassion, we ain't going to do nothing. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, listen to this, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Don't pray for souls. There's plenty of souls. There's souls who walk out of this place today. There's going to be opportunities that are presented. What we need to pray for is people that will have a compassion and people that will be willing to go to those that are, uh, that are rejected by society and nobody wants to help and we're afraid of them and, and their lives are messy and dirty. We need people that are willing to get their hands dirty. Not because we have to. It's a dirty job. Somebody has to do it, but because we're willing to do it and we want to do it and we too want to turn this religious boat and rock the religious boat and turn this world upside down. Can you say amen?